Hey there, fellow streakers. Jamie and I are excited to be with you today. We are going to discuss, of course, the 4th of July, since it's happening, and also how that relates to friendships, shared experiences, and what you can do to set streaks in order to increase all of those friendships and happiness along the way. So let's get streaking. What is streaking and why should you do it? Streaking is how you set up personal winning streaks. Look at who you want to be and what you need to do to become that person. This is Streaking. I'm Jeff. And I'm Jamie. And we are Streakers. Through 30 years of marriage and seven children, we have learned the power of consecutive consistency or streaking. To start streaking is simple. You just follow these three laws. Make it laughably simple. Keep a record and join the streaking community. Streaking is your hidden superpower. With it, you will consistently progress and grow in whatever area of life you want. In this podcast, Jeff and I will share all the fun, exciting, serious, solemn, wonderful parts of family, spiritual, professional, and personal life, and how streaking powers it all. So join us in the conversation, join the movement, and start streaking today. Good morning, Jeff. Hi, how are you, Jamie? I'm great. Love this conversation. I always enjoy talking with you. And this one especially, because it's kind of fun to think back on all of the different 4th of Julys that we've had. I know. This is, I I have to tell you, I do love summer. I love summer. And 4th of July is one of my favorites. It's like the epitome, the, the pinnacle of summer for me. 4th of July, when I was growing up, wasn't as magical as when I met you and your mom, because your mom just made the 4th of July absolutely a party for everyone. She, it was so much fun. She did that. So that kind of started our marriage off in that way because she at that time lived on on the edge of a cul-de-sac kind of so to speak and she did she hosted a big block party every 4th of July because she has this amazing gift of getting people together. She really does. I mean, <clears throat> I remember that so I forget who I was with, but I think it was Nick and I we were launching water balloons over the house at people. We got in a little bit of trouble for that one because of course. <laughs> <laughs> but but that was during one of those great block parties. That yes. that's was the introduction to the 4th of July and how much fun it was and and we carried that on to where we started to have our own cul-de-sac parties. So when we moved into a house that was so we we moved into a house that was on a cul-de-sac and what was great is because we had built this house all the people on that cul-de-sac moved in at the same time. And so we had this this experience of all moving in at the same time and becoming friends. <clears throat> and so I remember. I don't remember the very first Fourth of July block I party do. we had. You I do the very it. first yeah. one. Very first one. Todd and Sue that lived across the street from us said, "Hey, we should do something for the Fourth. And it wasn't. It was like totally informal. But Todd got out his um, boombox and t- put it on top of his car, and we just kind of went out in the cul-de-sac and chatted. We probably and grilled hamburgers. We grilled they some would burgers and dogs. The, yep. Yeah, but it was pretty them. informal. Nothing like what then it turned into. Over the years, every year had to be a little bit bigger and a little bit better. And so, it was awesome. So it started with the next year with the sound system. Right. So I brought out the brought sound out system. The bigger sound system. And we would have a speaker on every corner of the cul-de-sac. And so music played the entire day. I think we started around noon. Uh, it was actually <laughs> earlier because I tried to start around noon, but everyone was like, no, we need to have the have it out there around 10 o'clock. Because music is what makes music is what makes an event. And so you would play music literally all day long, which is, and I have to say, so Jeff is, Jeff is a DJ on the side and one of his pet peeves or one of his challenges as a DJ is that he refuses to play the same song twice in, in any one, one set. setting. Yeah. In one set. Yep. 
And so when you're playing music from 10 a.m. until literally 1030 oh, like at 10 night, 30 at night. Yeah, that's a lot of songs. <laughs> but what was great is it, it just there was a lot of genres that were represented throughout the day. And they, it created this ebb and flow because people would come in and out throughout the day as they were cooking or visiting. You'd kind of come in and out of the houses and the music had a part of that, I feel like. And it grew to the place where we one year had a huge uh, pig fry. So we actually, we actually grilled or what is it called? We well, it was, we it was smoked. A, it was we smoked. It was smoked. A full smoked a size pig. pig. Yeah, full size pig with apple in its mouth. I <laughs> it will was. forever remember that because it was, it was such a weird visual. And then we had some of the neighbors get their Class C firework license. So then we started to be able to shoot fireworks that were full professional quality. And people would come from all, all over, over the line the entire streets, not even the neighborhood. I mean, the community. It wasn't just oh, our yeah, neighborhood. As the, as the years uh, it, it got it grew in such a popularity that we had people lined the streets and then down around the streets from where the cul-de-sac was and into the park because this this was a huge party. Was, and we'd synchronize it to the music. Yes, because you did the music and we had two of the neighbors that loved the fireworks so they spent and one friend that came because he was excited that we had a cul-de-sac that was so excited about it but he actually had a firework budget that he budgeted every month all year long and folks we're not talking a small firework budget we're talking a large firework budget. we're thing. talking five grand he would, <laughs> so he would bring all of these fireworks and and then do you remember one year Megan did a um, bake sale? Totally. So remember. she we set up the canopy and we had baked for four days beforehand, and so she had all of these treats that she would sell to the kids all day long. And one year we did um, the inflatables with the inflatable water slide. Yep. Well, actually, that was that started to be every year. That's true. We, we did, did the inflatables because so we then, have, then we started to have the inflatables come. We did a three on three basketball we tournament. Did a basketball tournament. So it just ended up being an event. All day long. Yeah. And each family would bring out their own grills and grill their food and invite all of their friends. By the end, it was quite... I remember the last one that we did before we moved, we partitioned everything off with that yellow caution tape. Yes. And there were so many people. Oh, it was massive. So many people. Massive. It was... I remember there's always the moment between when the day's festivities are done. What I mean by that is the in, the people came to get the water slides mm -hmm. and cleared out the cul-de-sac. There was the moment between the, clearing out the the water slides, having we had dinner or, or clearing the water slides out and having dinner where it was just kind of a, a quiet dead moment. And what I would do then is bring all the kids out and we do all the group dances in the yes. cul-de-sac. And, and then, sparklers. You and sparklers. sparklers at that but the point. other thing too, which was really neat, is all of us would we'd have the national anthem sung, mm -hmm. and then we'd have a prayer as a cul-de-sac, yes. a prayer of freedom for the entire cul-de-sac. And it was the neatest thing because we were all of different faiths, mm -hmm. but we would have someone offer a prayer, and then we'd have this great big huge, huge. dinner. I mean, that was just massive. Because everybody brought something yeah. to share. Sides and desserts and all kinds of great foods. It's just all of these shared memories and experiences. And then it would get to the place where it was dark enough to where we would have the whole fireworks show. And the fireworks show, we would coordinate it to music. Mm -hmm. And it I you mean it was it emotional. Too. Schoolhouse Rock one year. Yes, we did. And do you remember some of the other? That was that was the year we got shut down. That was the year oh, I that. Forgot about yeah. <laughs> that well, we, the following year is when we got. Was when we got the Class C fireworks, fireworks right, right? Which was great, but but yeah, there was um, 
we did we did it to Battle Hymn of the Republic. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did it to uh, I, one year I played the Independence Day speech. Oh, that's right. right? I remember we, that one. <laughs> we started. We declare this is our Independence Day. You guys watching fireworks after watching the Independence Day speech or in the moment. That was a very fun, fun experience. So as we're talking about this, you might be wondering, like, why are they this fun trip down memory lane? But it has become for so many of our kids, one of their favorite holidays. It really has. And the friendships that we look back on because of that shared experience, because it started, like you said, so small, so simple. But it was fun, and we had a lot of us had little kids at the time. But each year, then now our neighbors, all of us would get together and be like, "Well, what should we do for the fourth? Because many of these ideas weren't our ideas. The pig wasn't our idea. That no. was Todd and Sue. Yeah, the inflatable was that was Brian, Brian and Anne. Anne. Uh-huh. And so everybody brought something to the table. And was like, "Oh, we should do this. My kids would love this." And so we would coordinate and plan, and and it just ended up being this experience that was magical, seriously, for our children and for our families. So what Jamie and I got to thinking about is, what is it that causes or creates friendships? Mm -hmm. And how long does it take to make a friendship? And we started to look through different articles as far as what what friendship is all about. And there were a couple of different ones that we found. One of the the ones that I want to quote just a little bit from is the Journal of Social and Personal Relationships. This is Sage Journals. It's journals.sagepub.com. And the question is, is how many hours does it take to make a friend? And that's kind of an interesting question, right? How many hours does it take? (laughs) Is it one hour? Can you create a mathematical equation for making a friend? (laughs) Right. So the the whole idea here, and I'm just going to read a couple of things uh, that they wrote in the journal here. Having friends is an important predictor of happiness and life Mm -hmm. satisfaction. The number and quality of social interactions early in life can predict loneliness, well-being, and depression 30 years later. And isn't that interesting? That Because that's when you read that, I did have in my mind the experience of our children sharing that 4th of July each year with friends and family and the food and the music and the excitement of it and just that created this feeling of belonging and security and I, I'm surrounded by people and and look, I'm happy here recognizing, not that everything was perfect all the time. No. I mean, you have little kids and they get in fights and people scraped knees. And, and some little kids run across the lawn buck naked all the way across the lawn. Back and forth. They do true streaking. Yes. <laughs> we had one of our neighbors. He just, he was just like, he there just, I go. There I go. He was little. He was little. <laughs> and I remember the one time too that we uh, the water bill got a little extensive oh, because man, we ran did. the water that all whole day, day long. <laughs> but it was this shared experience that we that we loved. Mm-hmm. And and I do believe as I've talked to our kids as they've gotten older that they loved that that experience. Right. And that's where I look at interestingly on the study itself that it's a predictor of happiness and life satisfaction. Mm-hmm. That and years having later. These, and years later, yeah, years and years. And it says despite these well documented benefits, people do not always prioritize spending time with friends. Interesting. When I read that spending time with friends, it almost, it it sounds, it sounds like a luxury. Mm. Like I don't have the time to do this because I'm busy trying to provide for life. And therefore this luxury, it feels like 
mm, I don't know if I have time to do it. Right. Which is, I think, one of the things that this is bringing out. It says Americans only spend about 41 minutes a day socializing, which is one third of the amount of time spent watching TV or commuting. Given significant constraints on free time, especially among working adults and parents, individuals must budget their time wisely to make time for friends. Translation, you have to be intentional in creating friendships and shared experiences mm -hmm. that life gets busy and and our responsibilities are real. I mean, what did it talk about? Providing, right? commuting, that's a real thing. And then when it talks about watching TV, I'm like, that's because oftentimes at the end of the day, you're tired and worn out and being with people still expends an amount of energy sometimes. Yeah, I guess depending on if you're an introvert or extrovert, but if you're an introvert, being with people is an expenditure of energy. Yes. And and so it can be something that you have to kind of yeah. gear up Usually for. when I get with people, I'm an extrovert. And so I'm tired going in, but man, it just keeps, I, I can keep right on going and the energy builds through the night. It's Which really interesting. Which for an introvert has been, I have seen that in action yeah. <laughs> and have been amazed by it. And I'm, I'm curious if a lot of people have watched the differences there that an introvert, as the night goes on, you start to get tired. You're like, I'm done. I'm ready to go. Yeah. Whereas I've watched you as an extrovert start an evening absolutely trashed. <laughs> and we were going because like you had traveled someplace out of the country. We had scheduled this before we knew that you were going to be taking this out of the country trip. We felt like, let's just go. We'll stay for a little bit and then we'll be, we'll, you know, leave early. And the, as the night wore on, you got more and more and more animated and happy and I just remember watching that night and thinking, okay, that is by definition an extrovert. You are literally getting energy yes. from being with these people, yeah, absolutely. which was amazing to me it as an amazing. introvert. Where right, I was like, wow. because you would start, the, because if you had been home all day and had all your energy built back up, then you would start the evening high. high. You'd be in there, you'd the be enjoying it as the night goes I'm on. Like, I'm, like, I'm using I'm, it. I'm ready to go home. I'm tapping out here. <laughs> tapping out. So. so the question that I had for you that I was thinking about is, being a mom of many ch small children and do, how do how do you make time for fostering friendships and relationships what is it what as you look back in some of the things that you've done what are some of the things that you did in order to foster friendships things that i did to foster friendships that's a really good question and before i answer that as i think about different things that i did i wanted to bring up so i read a, a second article um, and I'm just going to reference here because it, it kind of it kind of fits in. It was from The Atlantic, and it was written back. Oh, I actually don't. Oh, 2014. So okay. this is an older article. Pre-pandemic. Pre-pandemics, but it's the importance of sharing experiences. And the article was fascinating because what they did is a Harvard study on what kind does an amazing experience supersede a mundane experience. Mm. And what they studied basically is that what they found out, so how they did it is they they took Harvard students and they divided them into groups of four and they sent three of them to watch a really mundane kind of stupid cartoon. Okay. But they did it together. And then they sent one of them in a room by that person's self and they watched an amazing street magician perform some pretty incredible things in front of a very appreciative audience. So they got to watch a very unique and, just one and neat person, experience, though. but it was just one person. Okay. And then they brought them all back together in a room and basically said, 
okay, for the next few minutes, just, you know, talk amongst yourselves, just, just chat. And then the researcher came back in five minutes later and gave them a survey on how do you feel, like kind of rate how you feel yeah. on a scale of zero to a hundred. And do you feel happy? And do you feel included? And, and they said, let's see if I can find it. Um, how do you feel during the interaction that took place on a scale of 100 between excluded and included? And it said, surprisingly, people who watched the extraordinary video felt worse than those who had watched the ordinary mundane cartoon by about 10 points. They also felt more excluded by 30 points on average. So what the study concluded is that the experience itself isn't what is makes brings you joy and feel included. It's being able to share that experience with other people. Wow. And so they referenced a study that had done earlier that said, you know, because one of the questions they said is, well, what about previous studies that said don't spend your time or your money on things, but spend your money on experiences? You know, is that still true? And what the study was concluding is that experiences, what makes an experience such an amazing experience is sharing it with other people. That if you have these extraordinary experiences but you have no one to share them with, you actually feel less included and even excluded from, from your peer groups. And, and so as I was thinking about that in answering your question, what do you do to have friends? I thought it's an interesting thing because it's a two-prong two thing that you're doing. On the one hand, I remember when we were, I don't know how far we were into our marriage, but I just suddenly felt that it was really important that we take family vacations. I remember this. And yeah. it wasn't just like vacation to go visit family, like to grandma and grandpas, and, but, but that we needed ourselves to take our own family vacations. And it needed to be some kind of vacation, like something, not just we're taking time off and we're going to, not that those are bad, but that occasionally we needed to put effort into having a our family vacation. And I remember thinking, I want to have memories with our, and I want our kids to have memories of us doing things and going places and being together. Right. <clears throat> so I think that's the first prong of it is that I do think there's times that's important that you make an effort to plan and save and, and do something extraordinary, you know, with a little bit out of the ordinary with your kids. Right. But then the second prong after reading this study is recognizing that shared experiences are happening all the time around us, that anytime we're sharing experiences, we are building that relationship. And those experiences can be vacation and fun things together, but those experiences can also be hard things. I, I, you feel a closeness to people. Um, my sister had a son pass away from cancer when he was little, and that shared experience bound our family together because it was hard right. and, and, and sharing that experience was hard. And I think recognizing, I remember one time watching, I am just going off here. Oh, you but go. I remember one time watching a show about a couple that was driving home for Christmas and it was them and their, and their baby who was like about 10 months old. And I can't remember where they were going through, but they were cross driving Wyoming. through cross Wyoming and they were driving through a national park and they took a wrong turn. And they got lost in a national forest, um, very lost. And, and it was snowy and their car broke down. Well, they got stuck. They it got was so stuck. snowy. They yeah. totally got stuck. And they ended up being stuck and having to survive for like 10 days hmm. um, that they were able to survive together. And 
And it was an amazing, it's one of those, you know, like amazing show survival shows where, where they interviewed him and talked to him well, because they went they went away from the car they found a cave somewhere were able to hunker down there she was able to feed the baby because she had a little bit it wasn't and baby were... necessarily anymore but they had a little bit of breast milk left yeah was able to feed him and then he went out looking for help somewhere i mean they were at the, they were uh, they were close to dying close to and it, literally they were saved in the last moment yeah and i just remember watching that show and thinking wow that was amazing but then at the very end of the show, it talked about how they ended up getting divorced. And I remember thinking, even in the moment of watching that show, that I was like, that is so sad because those three people are the only ones that understand what that experience was like. Like they have this shared experience yeah. that no one else would understand except them. Right. And how important it is that we don't, that we do what we can to have these shared experiences, build our relationships and not let the hard ones tear us apart. Recognizing that the the crucial thing is that these experiences are what bring us together, yeah. are what help us yeah. stay together. What I, so in, in answer to the question too, what, as you were describing that, I remember so many times where you as a, a young mom with many children, would share experiences with other young moms that have children as well at the same age. And you share that together and that binds you together as yes. friends. We did joy schools. We did play groups. We went to the swimming pool. We did library um, where we would do library day and go to the library together. You do um, park days. I remember being a part of a group of moms that uh, we would find a different park every week in our somewhere within and for a your, 40 minute for drive your mental and we health, would go to the park For together. how you felt, your mental health and how you were, was that critical for you as far Absolute as to have those shared experiences? Absolutely vital, especially as a mom of young children where you can start to feel very isolated. Yeah. And, and it's super, super, super important to, and critical to your mental health as a mom with young children. Yeah to be around other moms right. that are doing it too, that you feel understood, right. that you're having shared experiences, both in the moment of the experience that you're sharing in that moment, but also in you're sharing with other people that are doing the same things you're doing, experiencing those same frustrations. And we so, had we had workout groups, like we would meet at the church or a local area and do fitness together. I mean, just anything that we could do yeah. to be together, that our kids could be together and we could be together and, and have some time. So through those years, you developed some some friends that I would call casual friends, mm -hmm. friends, and then close friends. Yes. And I, we were talking a little bit about this, how how do you rate those? And you were mentioning something about how, I listened, I was listening, what was it that you could go in the room of your house or what, what was, was that about? I was listening to a podcast one time that was talking about boundaries and... Um, the woman was referencing that she had gone to a counselor that had talked to her about being able to set appropriate boundaries. And and one of the things that I think she was struggling with was being a people pleaser and, and treating all people as equal friendships. And And he was saying, not all friendships are equal. And so he said, I want you to draw a picture of your house with all of the rooms in it, just a simple one, starting from the outside backyard, front yard to the inside inner parts of your house. And then he said, think about how comfortable you are letting certain people into the different parts of your home. 
So and like one, ones that you would keep out on the porch. Ones that you would keep out on the porch. Ones that you would allow into the front room only and then into the family ones room. Ones that you'd invite into the kitchen to cook with you. And, and, then, and then he brought it all the way to your bedroom. And he's like, obviously your bedroom, there's very few people. So in our relationships, there. is there a friend outside of our marriage that you would allow into our bedroom? Yes. It's okay. a, I have a small, like three friends that you would, that, that I would feel right comfortable being like, okay, these are my, these are my messy bedroom friends. That's what I would call them. <laughs> the, messy the friends bedroom. that I would let <laughs> into my bedroom, <laughs> even if it's messy, Yes. that you're like, okay, that's how close we are. Yeah. But it's not very many. Yeah. It's not very many. But I've, 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 that obviously stuck with me. In helping me recognize that I have lots of friends, but not every friend is is you know a messy house friend. Right, exactly. <laughs> the one that, there's the friends that you clean up with, or you clean up the house before you allow. Before in. they come, yes. <laughs> and then there's there's the ones that drop by, and your they house drop is a by complete mess, and you're, and you're totally fine and you're with fine it. with it. You'll mm-hmm. sit down right in the middle of it and be able to have a conversation and talk about whatever that goes on. Yes, and I think I loved that when we talked um, last week with Mindy. We talked about boundaries and that how important boundaries are. And that that was that same thing in friendships. Recognizing the different boundaries that you have is also very important. And and who crosses what boundaries and not to let everybody cross all of them. And sometimes maybe the opposite to recognize that, you know, some of your boundaries have gates and you can let some people through. So with that, I go back then to this study as far as well-being, depression, uh, or let's see, or predict predict loneliness, well-being, and depression. Thirty years later, it's important then to develop and establish friendships early, mm-hmm. in the moments when you don't think that you have time for it. That yeah. I mean, that that's critical to your success as an individual later on in life. And also, I look, for example, at my mom, who uh, my dad died two years ago, and I look at her, and she has very close friends. that she associates with. And she's very happy when she goes out with them. But these are friendships that she has cultivated over years. Decades. I mean, it has not just been a a friend is a friend right now. It has been something she's cultivated over years and years. And I've seen many times where she has nothing to talk about with these people and she'll call them. They just call. And And they call. Sometimes reminiscing about past shared experiences. What's happening right now. But even in the phone call, they're still having that shared experience. Right. And I think going places with friends as well. Mm-hmm. I, I know that my parents traveled a lot with friends. We've traveled with friends that aren't necessarily family. And not that I'm saying that your family can't be your friends. What I look at is I think that the more you establish these friendships, the greater the opportunity for happiness and success as you go on in life is with these established friendships. Right. And that it doesn't, from the article that you were referencing, it's not just going to happen. That, that life can get busy and, and there's times that creating friendships and shared experiences requires intentionality. Yeah. Even as, you, even as we were talking and you were discussing that article, I thought about parents um, and how important it is being able to create one-on-one time with your kids or time. And, and one-on-one time is maybe time that they're getting special attention because there's lots of kids in the family. And and so you're just taking them, but also one-on-one in the sense of as a parent, I'm choosing to give my attention to you right now. Yeah. Like this is my time where I'm not trying to get something else done. I'm not, you know, killing two birds with one stone. I'm really just spending time with you. And I think, I, I don't think I know as a mom, 
that is so crucial to me enjoying my children. Yeah. Is that when I set aside all of the things that I need to get done for a period of time and just be with them, that's when you see the little quirky things that they do, or you, you're able to see things differently. And that's when you really start to value and appreciate them as a person, yeah. not just as your child or someone you need to take care of or provide for or make sure they turn out a good citizen or you know a contributing member of the community or the world, but as a person with, yeah. with their own interests. and. So I'm kind of having a, a little bit of a, th- a thought here as far as I'm thinking of myself and as far as men versus women. I think of myself as a man establishing relationships and friendships. And it's a lot different than what it is for you. I would agree. I mean, as I look at the friendships that I've cultivated through the years, typically it's been bonding moments over athletic events of some sort, golf. Maybe or some of kind of physical thing. I yeah. think of camp, like Camping, for our boys hiking. to bond, we, they had to go on like this big long camp out exactly. or this, this, like you said, a sport event. A or... sport event. So I think, for example, recently we moved from Georgia to Colorado and we're moving now from Colorado to Utah. And the reason why we're doing that is because we we were missing out on shared experiences with our children. Mm-hmm. We were a little bit jealous that there were some folks out there that were getting shared experiences and we were not. I know. I'm like, <laughs> and you people I'm not know who you are. My children. <laughs> we'll share, but we got to be involved in the experience. <laughs> and so we we thought, you know what, we got to be in a place where we can have the mundane shared experiences where it's not something that's different. And we felt that way also with Chance, Bowen, and Lily, our youngest three, our children. Youngest three mm-hmm. children of seven, that we wanted them to have shared experiences with their older brothers and sisters. Because that's also crucial for siblings to be friends, is to have positive shared experiences. Yeah. So Breckenridge is one of those areas where we as a family go together and share an experience for a week at our timeshare in Breckenridge. And that creates this memorable moment where we can all relate back to it. I loved in the study where it talked about, because you can talk about it together. Yes. Whereas if it's just something that I do by myself, I can't, there's, I, I can share with you what the experience was, but we don't share the experience. Right. So for example, when we climbed the 14er, that was a shared experience that all of us can relate to and all the different things that we felt throughout it, getting really cold as we approached the top, realizing that there aren't porta potties on the trail, and how in the world do you find? <laughs> what do you do now? <laughs> what do you do now when you have got to go? And but those were fun shared experiences, and so proximity and being close to each other is part of the shared experience. Now getting back to uh, as me as um, a man thinking about it, you know what? I need to do a better job. I need to be more intentional about having shared experiences with people because my shared experiences are all with individuals who we work together. Mm -hmm. And when that work relationship is done, in other words, we no longer work for the same company, does it carry on past that? Am I able to continue past that? And for the most part, no, it Mm -hmm. usually doesn't. I think back to the many different organizations that I worked for and with the people that I worked with, I can think of their names, but I no longer have that relationship with them. In other words, I couldn't call them up out of the blue and say, Hey, Randy, how have you been? It's right. so good to, I, I, maybe I could, but there's so many years of not cultivating shared experiences that I'm actually losing out on those friendships. And so as we've been reading this, I'm thinking to myself, you know what, if Jamie, for whatever reason was to pass away, 
unexpectedly. And no, she's not. And she's in perfect health. We went on our three-mile walk this morning. I would think to myself, what friends do I have that I would reach out to? And then I go to studies that say that's probably why men marry again so quickly Mm -hmm. or more quickly than what a woman does is because we don't have those shared friendships because we haven't shared those experiences. Most of my experiences have been with you and with our children. Right. And the people who I work with, I love and have had shared experiences. But when that work relationship is over, do I continue those past that? And I think, you know what? I need to do a better job. I need to be more intentional. About finding and and creating those shared experiences. Just continuing to convolt, to convolt, to cultivate Cultivate those those experiences. experiences. And I think... Because I think it comes a little bit more within your DNA. Mm-hmm. I won't say I won't say it's automatic because I think you have to be intentional about it as well because you can be about the busyness of all the things that you've got going on. But I think as far as ease of developing those friendships, it comes a little bit easier to you than it does to me, whereas with me, I need to be very intentional mm-hmm. about setting up those relationships and ensuring that I'm cultivating them. Right. The thing I think as you're talking, I'm like, there's a lot of factors that come into this in the sense of your upbringing, how you feel about friendships, um, your personality, how, you know, is it, is it something that comes naturally to you and need, because I've watched different children, my own children, that I've watched them in social settings where I can tell this child has used up and they need a break. They need time to be alone. And, and she needs to be able to go to her room and everyone leave her be. She's not mad at you. She just needs a little time. And then I've watched another child during the pandemic slowly wither away because she was not with people. And and so just recognizing and and I think learning about yourself and realizing, okay, what do I need? But what I feel like the study was saying is that at some level, we all need friendships. Yeah. We all need those things. And it's not gonna just happen by itself. And and so I loved as we as we're coming closer to the, what we do at the end where we talk about how can streaking Yeah, so now what's the application, this? What's right? What's the application? So we've got the concepts. We and know what we the need to have are, friendships and shared, shared experiences. experiences. Now let's talk about the actual application. How do you do that? Yeah. How do you have shared experiences? Right. And how could streaking help you with that? And so I had a couple that we have referenced a little bit, but I thought if you needed to have shared experiences with your, your family or you have lots of children, maybe setting up a streak of once a week having one-on-one time with at least one child right do you know intentional one-on-one time yep and so that could be a streak that you could set up for me personally as i was studying this and thinking about it today i thought i have such good friends in georgia that i've loved and i haven't been calling them as much and i thought i can't rest on all the experiences we had when we were together i have to continue striving. And so this morning I was thinking, I'm like, could I set up a streak to phone a friend at least once a week? Yeah. Maybe someone that would be a daily thing, um, a streak, but, but, I, or, but just something where I'm like intentionally saying, okay, I need to take phoning a friend. Just reach out calling, to at least reach, one reach out friend to at least weekly. one friend weekly. Yeah. Um, I think that's so. a better way to say it because a phone could be I mean, uh, it's just reach out. Reach it's out. whatever it is. I'm going to reach out to, to at least friend. one friend weekly. Yeah. I think that's one of the reasons why social media with Facebook, Instagram, and others, when you see your friends posting, you feel like you're somewhat plugged into their life a little bit. Mm-hmm. It may not, you may not be there with them, but through the photographs, through what it is that they share, 
you share a little bit in that experience. So therefore, you can reach out to them and talk about it. Yes, I thought about that too, because there's a lot of articles on not allowing digital experiences to replace personal in-person contact. And and I thought, you know, this is just like everything else in life. It requires that level of balance. Yeah. Because I love that I can go online, Instagram, Facebook, social media sites, and see what my friends from far away or from years ago are doing. And I can feel a level of connection to them because I at least know something that's going on in their life. Right. And then when we do connect personally, I have something to talk to them about. Yeah. I'd be like, oh, I saw this. And how, how are you doing with this? Yeah. So social media has this place where it keeps us connected, but was never meant to replace. I think it was just on. meant to enhance. Enhance. It enhances the, our ability to stay connected. And I would say enhances our ability to stay connected with people that maybe we've lost connection with. That now we can, from years ago, you can be like, oh. We can get reconnect because yeah. of that, but it's not meant to be the only connection. Right. I think that that is a good intentional streak for me is to reach out to at least one friend that's not a family member. Mm -hmm. Because for me, it's easier to reach out to my family, even though I have two streaks that are specifically related to connect with at least one of my children daily. That's a mm -hmm. daily one. And to contact at least one of my children daily. Both of those I see as differently as contact. It's I'm thinking about you. Connect is... Let's share a little experience here. And it may be a micro experience, not a massive experience, but a micro experience where we talk through and look at and consider something that may be happening in current events mm -hmm. or something that had happened that day. And it's a, it's a small connection to be able to make that happen. So that's with my children. What I thought about with more friends is to reach out to at least one friend weekly and be okay with having nothing to say. Be yeah. okay with just being like, just being I'm just together. checking in and I'm here. seeing how you're doing. And for those that are proximity, go to lunch, mm -hmm. uh, go to dinner, or do something together where you can share that experience together. And I thought if I'm reaching out at least one time weekly, then when it comes available, we can actually do something together. Mm -hmm. They happen to be in town where we're living and therefore we're going to go out and do something together, which may be some type of event, or it may be just sharing a meal, or it may be um, enjoying time together at your home or at their home. Right. But at least the reach out is the laughably small part. Mm -hmm. And that provides for the compound interest of when the when I call it the great convergence, when everything converges together and we can actually meet together. Right. Have you noticed that? Yes, totally. And as you were talking too, I was thinking, because you said a, an event or going to dinner, and I thought, I feel like I've connected sometimes with driving people to the airport when they've come into town and they need a ride. And I'm like, yeah, I can get you a ride to the airport, which led me to thinking about service opportunities, that when we're serving other people, because a lot of the relationships I've, created in friendships have been volunteer organizations, volunteering at the school or volunteering through church or volunteering through community things. You meet people and create those same shared experiences through those volunteer Great opportunities. Um, and so I, I, there's just, I think that the intentionality of it, of being intentional about thinking about, I want to have a shared experience because that does two things. It may alter, it creates an, a, a, where you actually do something differently. Right. But it also can bring awareness to what you're already doing, where you're like, oh, I'm doing these things already. 
can pay more attention that this is a shared experience and it'll change the way that you feel about that thing that you need to be doing. Maybe it was an obligation before and now it turns into an opportunity. Yeah. That I had a couple other streets yeah, that I was ahead. thinking about. Yeah. Whenever we talk about these shared experiences, there's a couple people in my life that are have been mentors of that. And I had talked about one earlier that every everything that we did, she found a way to make it special. And I thought, could you set a streak to celebrate something once a week? Yeah. Like you just turn something into we're gonna celebrate that to help recognize that it doesn't have to be big things that are celebrated, but that we can find small, simple ways to celebrate normal things yeah. as well. And and doing little things that make that normal thing just a little bit more special. Right. And celebrate so, dinner together. Yeah, exactly. Right? Where you're like, we're going to celebrate. Go take this. one of your children to, to lunch out mm-hmm. of school when school's in right now we're at summer. Exactly. Go to the swimming pool. Go, to go the have swimming a picnic. Pool. Yesterday, so I captured you and Chance. You took a blanket out on the back lawn. And you read together. That was one of your streaks was to mm-hmm. read with him. And he was doing his streaks as well. But that is a shared experience. Yep. I mean, that it was really and cool. And you know what's amazing is a lot of times for those shared experiences, they don't have to be all the time. Like it, you don't have to do that same experience all the time. Right. Just sharing the experience has a lot of deposit in people's accounts. Which is why I go back to if you're reaching out at least one time weekly, then the convergence of events makes it to a place where you do have something that is unique Mm -hmm. and something that you share together that then you reminisce on. And it it charges your relationship batteries for months. For months, Because you think back to that moment when you said, remember when we did that? Wasn't that so much fun? Yes. And then if I'm reaching out, eventually, then I'll have the opportunity again to have something like that in my life. Yep. So one where where I wanted to end was a neat experience that Jamie and I had as we moved from uh, Georgia to Colorado. We decided that we were going to take advantage of the full Colorado experience. What that meant was that we went ahead and for Christmas, way before Christmas and after Christmas, it was all about skiing. We were going to teach our younger children how to ski. And so we got epic passes. Which was a big deal because for we're a big family and that that's an ex, skiing is an expensive sport. It was. And so we, and we saved, saved for it, and, we budgeted, we did everything to to make this and it created this really unique experience through all of the winter here. In fact, it's the first time where I was sad to see winter go. Yeah. I seriously, I in the Have past could not wait for winter to be done. But I was sad to see winter go because we had shared this experience with our children, Mm -hmm. which was to drive up the mountain. We get up really early in the morning. I remember Chance. I mean, he would wake up 4.30. Man, that kid was like, I'm ready to go. They were up and going. I have never seen children of this age be excited to get in the car and to go except with, with this. I mean, they were in the car and we'd go up there and we shared these wonderful amazing experiences together with Mark, with Megan, Mm -hmm. with Lily, with Bowen, with Chance, with Ace. I mean, all of these were part of that. this, this, this shared experience is now just near and dear to my heart. And it was really interesting to see it go away. I mean, that we're done with it. To be done skiing. As you were talking, I was thinking, because you were bringing up Chance and that first time that we went skiing and it was it was hard because the skis were heavy for him and he was cold and he cried 
that first time. And then you, you had brought up the 14er and that was also one of those experiences that we had some time that we spent crying. And I thought, isn't it interesting that I remember when you, when you came into me, when you very first thought about having a streak to floss your teeth yeah, and this sparkle in your eye, because you'd had a perspective shift of what if I changed it from, I have to floss my teeth to how many times can I do like that perspective shift was invigorating and exciting because you were still doing the same thing, but you saw it in a completely different way. I thought about that as you were talking about chance and skiing and how having a perspective change can change your experience completely. So if we as parents and friends can look at these opportunities as shared experiences, like that is the perspective change. It's not get to the top of the mountain by a certain time so that we can have a great ski day. Yes, we want that, but the whole process is part of this shared experience. And by changing that perspective, the ability to be able to be more patient with somebody who's new to something or is not aware of all the things that are going on and be like, okay, this is a different experience, but we're sharing it together. I can be more patient in this moment because this is part of the shared experience. Yeah. And and I remember that because, because when we were younger, you had taken one of our other children skiing and he also had a hard time and it was difficult. You, you weren't as patient. <laughs> no, <laughs> I was wasn't not. As patient. <laughs> I wasn't. That's true. But through the years and recognizing that this was a shared experience, being able to change that perspective, change the whole experience. As we go forward now, thinking about application and streaks and streakers, as you think about this, please share with us what your thoughts are on how you can develop better relationships through streaks, reaching out streaks to at least one friend and reaching out to at least one friend di- uh, weekly, yes. uh, reaching out or connecting with a family member because family members, you know, they we can grow apart from them too mm-hmm. and they're not friends anymore. And yeah. so being able to do all of these is really the opportunity for us to be able to look at it and say, I can intentionally increase my opportunity for happiness later in life through developing friendships. That's what I say. That's that's the invitation is to set those streaks and make them happen. As always, you can download the streaking app and track your streaks in there. You can see in the streaking app, you can follow Jamie and mm-hmm. see her streaks and where she's at with them. You can also follow me and many other streakers. It's so inspirational to be able to see where they are and what they're doing in order to improve the relationships in their life, to increase professional or physical or even spiritual strength in any of those areas, you can see it. So download the streaking app, that's at Google Play or at the Apple App Store. Also, the book is available and out there. Um, And if you wouldn't mind downloading the book and reading about how you can start your own streaks. Also, if you wouldn't mind giving it a review, we'd appreciate that. And finally, you can uh, go to our website, streakingmastery.com, to see all kinds of inspirational stories. You can see both the podcasts. By the way, we have this is our flagship podcast, which is Streaking. We also have a sister podcast, which is The Professional Streaker, which relates more to uh, the business and professional life. But you can listen to that on a, a daily basis. That one we do daily, and I do that daily with Talon. But you can listen to that. All of those areas, and the reason we do all of this is because Streaking has helped us to become the person we want to be. So if you want to reach out to us, we always 
uh, answer our emails. My email is Jeffrey, J-E-F-F-E-R-Y at streakingmastery.com. I'm Jamie, J-A-M-I at streakingmastery.com. You can also follow us on Instagram, Twitter, all of the Facebook. Facebook. Pinterest? Pinterest. TikTok? TikTok. <laughs> all of, all of it. All of all of the Twitters. We're on all the Twitters. <laughs> you can follow us everywhere there. And we look forward to talking with you again. But until that time. Keep streaking. It's the little things that make a better